Welcome everyone to the Joelle Martin Mastery Podcast. I'm a networking expert and the author of the upcoming book, Know No Strangers, How to Build Community One Relationship at a Time. My why is the pursuit of mastery, and the goal of this podcast is to lock arms on a lifelong mission of daily personal growth to become the best version of ourselves. So let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the podcast. We are joined by a very special guest. She's a practitioner in Reiki, in hypnotherapy, in neurobiomagnetism, as well as in tarot card reading. So welcome to the podcast, Mrs. Mariana Vambas. Mariana, how are you? What's going on? Good. How are you? I heard, um, I know you had a really hard night last night. Um, yeah. I'm happy to hear that your body is doing well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You can hear in my voice. So people that are familiar (laughs) with how I'm supposed to sound can hear that (laughs) there's something different going on. So yeah, the story real quick is, um, you know, I rescued a rabbit a couple months ago. And uh, at 4am in the middle of the night, she was thumping in distress. So they they, there's no vocals, they can't, you know, bark or meow. So it's the thumping that, that tells you they're trying to communicate. So uh, anyways, she was in distress. She was, her eyes were kind of lifeless. Um, so you knew something was wrong. So I called the vet emergency 24 <laughs> seven. Um, they're super swamped because of COVID. A bunch of the places, uh, workers have caught COVID. So they've had to shut down. So there's like right. one for the whole city. Um, so when I called at four, they said, we're really busy. Can you come in at eight? So I stayed up all night with her to make sure she was fine. Uh, went in at eight, then I'm, you know, I'm waiting all day and go and pick her up and a little stressful. So uh, lack of sleep, a little bit of stress. Uh, so, so you can hear it in my voice. I got the sniffles a little bit and, uh, but the, you gotta, you gotta, the show must go on. So I got some hot tea that'll hopefully help my voice hold up for this, uh, this interview. So thank you for, for uh, the, the well wishes you gave me. Um for, for Violet. And she's, mm-hmm. she's like a brand new gal. She's doing well today. So, so Excellent. all is well there. Yes. I'm happy to hear. I'm yes. happy to hear she's recovered. Thank you. So let's, let's dive into this. So you, there's so many different titles of things um, that you're passionate about, your skills that you use to help others. Um, so let's get started with the tarot card reading. So this is kind of how we got to know each other. So mm-hmm. back a few years ago, both of us ended up at a personal growth event. So this was a friend of the podcast, Mr. James McNeil. So that was the first guest I ever had for an interview on this podcast. And um, he was doing an event on pure spiritual mastery, pure spiritual intelligence, sorry. And uh, we met there through a mutual friend, we became Facebook BFFs. I didn't really (laughs) talk too much, but just got to see our updates here and there. And then I saw you post that you were um, giving tarot card readings that, um, that you just wanted to get more experience to really work on your craft. So I signed up, I did it, I was blown away. Then I asked you, I said, Hey, um, can my friends sign up? I know they would be interested. You said, yeah, sure. So then a bunch of my friends signed up and they were blown away. And that's how we got where we are here today. So I actually have a quick, uh, 
quote from one of the friends that you did uh, a reading oh. for. So this is from um, this is from Jennifer Doyle. Let me have this. Wow. Uh, okay, she says Mariana gave me a great reading and is definitely a natural <laughs> intuitive. She was right on with where things were for me. And I'm so happy that she proudly shares this ability that she inherited from her grandmother. So that's from Jennifer Doyle. So it's nice to oh, get some, some great feedback. Um, so let's, I guess I'll, I'll share kind of what blew me away by our first reading. So this was a year ago, and then we just did another one a few days ago that we'll, we'll touch on. But when we did it um, a year ago, you know, everything you said really resonated and, and, you know, there are things that it's like, how can she know this stuff? Um, the one that really blew me away was it was during the pandemic and there was a period of time where money was tight for me because uh, all the ways that I make money are very social. Normally I'm on a plane every few weeks for business. I'm running big events. I'm, I'm networking. Uh, I have people over, um, what else? Yeah, just everything I do involves in-person stuff. So suddenly there was like a, 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 you know, the cash flow kind of dried up and that was a source of stress and worry for me. And suddenly you, you know, you flip a card and you go, oh yeah, just stop worrying about money. In the near future, money won't be a problem again. It won't be an issue. And it's like, what? Like how, 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 how do you know these things? Right. And then at that point, when you said that there had been real estate had had tanked because people didn't know with COVID, we didn't understand it. We didn't know if we just leave our house, if we're going to die by going outside. So there were no showings, no houses selling for several months. And that was the period in which you told me not to worry about money. And then suddenly after that, real estate went to all time highs, just irrational exuberance, people like bidding wars and, and just record setting numbers. Um, so suddenly I look into what I could get for my house if I sold it. And it was just an obnoxious amount of game changing money. So I, I sold my house. I moved to Ottawa. Things are way different. And, and money was no longer an issue within a few months of you saying that. So I, I, I thought that was insane. And when we touch into the stuff that we just went over when you read you know, read, read the cards a few days ago, uh, our, our listeners will hear all that as well. So, um, so, so I guess we'll start with where did this come from for you? So Jennifer in her comment mentioned your grandmother. So this is a family thing. Right. So, I mean, I want to just preempt by saying thank you. First of all, and it's so nice to hear, um, people having a wonderful experience. And I know that not everyone does and maybe they're not all happy with what they hear but the fact that you two did and it brought you this hope or whatever you felt I'm, I'm very happy to hear but um not every um buddy gets this inheritance of these gifts from just because they have a parent that is I know that um just from listening to people like oh my grandmother was like and they don't have it right so <clears throat> I guess I'm not sure how it comes so let's let me be straightforward. I don't know if it's a genetic uh, predisposition. And I wouldn't say that I'm special in the sense that everyone can access this. Everyone has intuition. Um, just everyone doesn't know how to tap into it. And so part of what I like to do is also get people to tap into their own intuition. So I think it's a gift that we all, all have. Um, I just listened more. 
I, or was able to listen or had the tools to listen um, or quieted my mind enough to listen to my intuition. But I think everyone has that. So um, my grandmother, we can talk about my great grandmother who lived in Mexico. Um, so I, she passed away when I was 11. So I got to, I was grateful. I was so fortunate to meet her because um, not everyone meets their great grandmother, but I remember. So my experience of her is as a great grandmother, uh, not necessarily a psychic healer. Um, later on, I would hear the stories of what she actually did. And I was like blown away. Um, but on, I just know that on Fridays, if we were in Mexico and visiting, there would be like chairs outside of her office. And like, we're watching TV and these like strangers are in the house, all sitting and like waiting their turn. And I think I thought initially, like she was, she was like a businesswoman or I don't even know what she was doing. Like I wasn't really told what she was she doing. She kind of was a businesswoman but yeah. with a different kind of business. You're right. you know? Exactly. You're right. And I just knew like that's her office and we had to, like, she had a piano in there and she like we would go play that piano or I mean when she wasn't using it and working. Um, anyway, so I have all these memories, but then I remember her like desk drawer and I would open it and see these like stones and these like um, almost like, like magnet fragments and the tarot cards. And she'd be like, don't, don't touch my cards, but I wouldn't listen. <laughs> we would touch her cards and we would look at them and, you know, we were just I guess for me, I was, I was always curious. I was a very inquisitive child. So I was always curious, like, what is this? And I would look at the pictures and her tarot are different. I haven't seen them. They had Egyptian um, iconography on it. So I could see this like Egyptian stuff. So I was just always like, huh, what is this? Um, and then she had this like scarab, like the, um, the scarab little, it was like, it was almost like this made out of, uh, I guess, a stone. Um, and that was on her desk. Like I just have all these memories and the memories of people sitting, waiting for their turn to talk to her. And then as I grew up and later my mom told me, yeah, those, they were waiting for readings. Friday was her day for some reason. Friday was energetically a better day for her to do readings. And then my mom would say that every, so like every month she was invited to like a baptism because my great grandmother was a godmother because people who were having issues in fertility, because she was also a herbalist. Sorry, I have to mention that. So I guess what she was doing, and I'm, I'm speculating because she, she didn't really tell anybody. She, um, but I guess what she was doing is scanning people or using her intuition to help heal them, and she would provide them with herbs. So a lot of herb healing, a lot of energy healing. Like I remember a story that stuck with me, where she told somebody to sit in a tub in their backyard in of water right at twelve o'clock to get the direct energy of the sun. So. Things like this. So I would hear these later. So, um, and, and she'd always talk about spirit. Um, and she'd say, don't be scared of spirit. Be scared of the living, not the dead. <laughs> like, is everyone so scared of spirit? She's like, the living are much more dangerous. Um, so, and then I, even the story of once she came here, I think a couple of times she came, but she'd be like, oh, there's a very strong psychic here, um, a native. She'd tap into, she'd tap into native energy here. Um, so yeah, it was just, we were always like kind of a little bit scared of her, just like a tiny bit, but we like, but loving her, obviously I didn't, she, she never read for children. I think she did read for my mom, but she didn't like reading for family, uh, that much. So I just, I know that about her, but she just wanted to help. And truthfully, she would say donation and people in, in Mexico in that area, like they weren't, 
well off. So some of them would come with eggs from their from their chickens, um, food, some or whatever they could donate. Um, but they were really loving people, and she was very loving to them and caring about her community. So I really like that. I honor that in her, and that's why even for me, I, I in honor of her, I say it's by donation. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you said you guys were a, a little scared of her. You know, sometimes we fear what we don't understand, right? So we're not quite sure what's going on with her. And and as you learn more about it, you realize maybe there's nothing to be fearful of. You mentioned that right. she she felt better energetically on Fridays. Can we agree that we? Yeah. I think we all feel better energetically on Fridays, right? <laughs> Absolutely. T G I F. Her for different reasons, I would think. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think different reasons. I think for her, she knew a lot about astrology as well. Uh, I, I don't know that much about astrology, I'm going to be honest. And that and like, she'll come to me in dreams, actually, still. And that was her latest, the latest dream I had of her was her saying, learn about astrology. Okay, so that's, that would be a, a next goal of mine. Um, but yeah, Fridays was a yeah, and the, it's true. I, I think we were just it's funny because now what I was scared of is what people are kind of scared of about me. The reservations are like, I was like, is she reading my mind? <laughs> like, so I would always be worried. Yes, yes, I am. She knew. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, is she, does she know what I think? And no, that's not true. But anyways, yeah. So I think she was just a wonderful woman that really, you know, she actually used her, the whatever donations she received in her reading to invest in real estate, to be honest. So she was a then, businesswoman. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. But always like that energy of healing separated from the energy of making money. So that, and I have that where I say, you know, if I want to use money, I like, I almost say I use money to make money grow. But when I see the person in front of me, I don't see, I see them as me. I feel we're all connected. And so when they stand in front of me, usually, I'm, chances are I'm, I've gone through something they've gone through. I'm currently facing it. So it's almost like a mirror shows up and I just, I want to help. So I don't see it. And a lot of my clients can't afford to pay. That's fine. You know, as long as, and, and I know people say, well, you need an energy exchange. You need an energy exchange. So money's the energy and they have to, they have to know they're receiving something and they're giving something and sometimes I say, just give me good wishes, like give me good energy, just send that and, and your thanks. And, and knowing that from your heart, that that's an energy of thank you. So yeah, I just admired my great grandmother and she used that anyway. So she, she was able to raise four great grandchildren because my grandmother didn't really have a husband that was involved and her own husband, my great grandmother's husband died when she was pregnant. So I, so I have a line of these like badass women <laughs> where they are able to really um, like show up with their gifts and give those gifts to the world and know how to provide. I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm very proud of them. In, in the business world, mm -hmm. I hear it said often that people that don't pay, don't pay attention. So that's why you need the right. transfer mm -hmm. of something. So again, it doesn't have to be money, but if someone's providing you something, then they're going to take what you provide more, more seriously because we don't value yeah. stuff that's free, right? Right. And I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. So, so I do see, you know, I mean, in the future, I might really set prices and say like, this is, everyone's like, well, what are you worth? I, well, I think we're all priceless. We're all yeah. worth 
infinity, really. But you're also, it, it depends what your intention is. And right now it's, you're trying to develop this craft that comes through the generations in your family. And, um, you know, even though you do an amazing job and it's, you know, surprisingly, you're, you're spot on with everything for someone that says they're not an expert and they're just, you know, trying to get better. But um, I guess that's, you're putting in your 10,000 hours right now, just like, even if I'm say talented on the guitar, it's, it's like, I'm going to play for free because I got to build up my craft to the point where people are willing to pay for it. So I think, I think there's nothing wrong with um, where you're at right now, you know? Great. Thank you. Thank you for the validation. No yeah. problem. And you, you said that your, so your grandma had the spiritual side, she had the business side and somehow she was able to separate those energies. That reminded me of hearing that you should have separate rooms in your house for separate things, that those rooms, whatever you're doing in them carry certain energy. Like if you have a, an apartment and it's smaller, it's like, there were times where I had my workstation like what I'm on right now in the bedroom so it's like I would do work in the bedroom I would um, do recording in the bedroom and that's also where I sleep and I you know I was told that the energy you have for the hustle and the work is in the same room as where you're supposed to be sleeping and that can actually affect the sleep I don't know if you've heard I, yeah I have definitely heard of that and I mean I I also have spoken to a feng shui master, Paul Eng, actually, in here in, in Toronto and Thornhill. Um, so I agree with that because there you also associate what you do in the energy. You bring in energy. I, I feel that way. So when you're in this creative mode and you're bringing that energy in and then you're in, the, in your room and trying to sleep, sometimes you're overstimulated. Um, so in that room. So I like to have a space where I do meditate and do my readings. And I tried it in my room and a few times and I, I was like, oh, I'm, it's, it's too much energy there for that. And I was getting downloads and, you know, and so much um, information coming in that I couldn't sleep. So I'm like, okay, this is not the space to do that. So I do agree with that. I think you should definitely separate the energy. And sometimes you can't avoid it. Like if you really can't avoid it, maybe just stay in that mindset or mind frame and like get yourself out of that mind frame of whatever other activity you're doing, especially for sleep. I, I really honor my sleep. <laughs> for me, that's my restorative time. So I can't really, you know, look at screens before I sleep. I really have to, um, you shut to down, sleep. shut down the technology, yeah. like 30 minutes or an yeah. hour before sleep or. Yes. I and sometimes I don't, I'm, you know, obviously one of my Those darn Facebook on. notifications, <laughs> yeah, they'll get I know, you. I know. Doesn't matter how enlightened you are. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. One of my addictions, because everyone has addictions, and it's just if they're healthier, and I'm trying to make much healthier addictions, but one of them is scrolling through the social media. And I'm starting to be just more aware of it and limiting the times that I do it. So I'll be like half an hour for the morning, maybe half an hour in the middle of the day and, and at night. But yeah, I really try to say I'm not bringing my phone into my room at all. But then it, my husband has his phone right beside, but that's his energy and he, what he does. How dare but at he? least, how dare he? <laughs> but at least I'm not doing it and I'm in this mind frame and I'm doing these like nice deep breaths. And yeah, and I'm not thinking of any words. And that's like the number one thing I tell a lot of my clients do not worry and bring all your to do lists 
and all this stuff before bed. Because the number one thing I've learned from Neville Goddard, who is this mystic from the 20s or I think 30s, um, he always said, you know, right before you go to bed is the time where you're going into a different brain wavelength, right? So you're going from the waking state, um, which is beta, right? And then you're going to alpha and then you're going to your theta and delta. And when you're in this wavelength and you're just worried, you're almost um, solidifying your problems and like the to-dos and like, and, and most people do like their worst case scenario stuff right before they go to bed. I'm like, stop doing that. That's yeah, you're setting one. yourself up for a night of horrible <laughs> dreams and nightmares. And it's, yeah. and it's not only that, because according to Neville Goddard, what you think of at that sweet spot is what you'll manifest. So if you do nothing at all, other than just sleep before you go to bed in that space, visualizing yourself with the feeling of, you know, of your creation. So you're in your imagination and you're imagining this beautiful future event that you would want, you want to manifest to yourself. You will create it. And I've I've practiced that. This is Neville Goddard stuff. And I, I, anyways, I love that. Um, and so I do tell my clients to kind of check him out if they want to, but at least at the very least do not have worries before you go to bed. Um, and that, that's yeah. the, that's the point where you're starting to shift between your conscious and your subconscious mind, right? That, that's exactly. what I hear. So it's, it's, you know, the subconscious mind is however thousands of times more powerful than, than the conscious mind. And that if you can, if you can you know, have your list of goals or dreams or the perfect life. If you can before bed and when you wake up, those are the two times where you're shifting between subconscious and conscious that you're putting a deeper imprint and and you're changing your habits and your beliefs at a, at a deeper level. 100% that agreed. And, you know, you can test it out. I always, because there is a, um, an activity or an exercise that Neville Goddard um, would do and it was like climbing a ladder and you can YouTube all this you'll see it on there but I did the baseball thing where you know I went with my husband because I wanted him to have buy-in because I was trying to just tell him you know go to don't go to bed with your worries anyway so we did the baseball thing which is you just visualize a baseball and you're holding it before you go to bed in your mind's eye um, and how does it smell and you want to engage all your senses and especially your feeling but I didn't even do this the quote unquote, proper way. I was just like telling my husband in the middle of the day, just close your eyes. I tried to get him into a relaxed state. And it's almost like a meditation or hypnosis. So I tried to get him in those, those nice, nice wavelengths, the slower wavelengths. Um, so at least, I mean, we were in at least alpha, because if you close your eyes, you tend to engage that state anyways. And I said, just hold the baseball, throw the baseball, throw it to me, you know, smell it. And I engaged all the senses. And literally we did this once and I said I wanted to see the turnaround of it it literally was six weeks on the calendar I wrote it down just because I wasn't going to do it the effective way which was every night doing this we did it once and then we went for a walk in the park and I picked up a baseball and I threw it to him I'm like there's the baseball (laughs) like you know and I know people are going to be like well you were probably going to see a baseball but the stuff that I see on YouTube about Neville Goddard is amazing because they're like, oh, the baseball was in my bag. I don't even know how it got there. I did this three days ago and I only worked on it three days and this showed up. And and the reason they do things that, you know, you don't have a big um, preconceived notion about baseball. Like you don't have this belief system around baseball. That's why, uh, or ladders, he'll do a ladder walk thing, um, walking up the ladder because 
you don't have like, I'm not good enough for a baseball. I'm not good enough to, you know, how am I going to get this? But if you, because sometimes if you want the buy-in people right away, if you said you want to manifest money, a thousand dollars or whatever, a million, they're like, they have negative connotations (laughs) or, or, right. Or, or they'll just say that's impossible. It's impossible. You know, I, there's no way, or they have this relationship with money can't come that easy. And, and some of his activities are just really seeing it, counting it. Um, there's so many people on YouTube talking about this. So I, I like that. And I tell my clients a little bit about that, but we, anyways, we digress um, about, <laughs> about, but I just find like manifestation um, is also something I work with, with my clients. So yes, as I'm doing readings, I want them to know that they are ultimately responsible for co-creating their life. They are create. They are ultimate creators um, as we all are. And we're creating our own, you know, we're a microcosm of a macrocosm of the universe and in our little universes, we're creating our own lives. So, um, yeah, sorry. I think I've digressed. So you'll bring me back. <laughs> no, I, I'm, we're following along. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. So I did, I did a similar exercise, but instead of a baseball, it was uh, a lemon that you're eating a lemon. So this is, I believe this is Dr. Joe Dispenza, who you're a big fan of. Um, so he was trying to show you how powerful thought is and how, you know, it's intangible. You can't put your, your finger on a thought, but that there can be physical manifestations from that. And so he has you thinking about a lemon, like smelling it, cutting it, and then taking it. And he goes, did you notice you're salivating? And you realize your mouth is just like filled with saliva. And even though that lemon isn't real, the thought of this not real thing produced the same effect of having an actual lemon in your mouth. And you're like, holy shit. Absolutely. Um, I think that's the power of the brain. The brain um, is cre- like there's people are saying like that we're like, we're just creating um, this, it's almost like a holographic nature and you're almost producing from your brain, your reality. So, I mean, that's getting deep into, you know, this holographic nature, unified field, um, theory. And I don't know if you've heard of Nassim Haramim and these, these are like quantum physicists that almost, um, anyways, the point is, I feel like you can create in your brain the experience you want before it even manifests into your reality. So why not create the most positive, beautiful experience? Mind you, you do learn a lot from the negative experiences. So you do have the balance of both. Um, and we talked about that. Like people, when they see, for example, a tower moment in the tarot, and I look at it and I'm like, great, the tower moment is everything kind of shifting. Your your whole base gets just twisted upside down. So for people, that tower moment is a shock. It could be a divorce. It could be losing a job, but basically you're off balance. And I like the tower moment because then you get to reinvent yourself. So COVID could be a huge tower moment for a lot of people, right? So, um, and yeah, you got rock, to- Rock bottom is a solid foundation to build a life upon. <laughs> yeah. That's a quote that I've heard that I like. I love that. actually love that. I'll use that. Um but that's exactly um, it. So anyways, the point was we're getting back to the, just what the brain is capable of. And I really, for me, the 
one of my, and I'm going to like fast forward to one of the um, times where I was, I call it like receiving information from deep meditation. And one of the biggest things that I received in one of these deep, deep meditations I was in was like a model of the brain. It was like spinning in, my, in front of my mind. And, and then I was shown the amygdala. And it was, and then I was like given sense to smell. Um, so it was just in, an interesting understanding of what's happening um, to our, to me specifically, like my biggest um, subject is myself. <laughs> So I always try to go in and try to understand, like, what am I experiencing? Like, how am I co-creating with, in my senses, my reality? So anyways, that that made me dive deeper into understanding the brain. And, and I really enjoy psychoneuroimmunology. So Bruce, and so that's when I discovered Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief, how you really are with your own belief system, creating a reality, Joe Dispenza, and, and especially Greg Braden, uh, The Divine Matrix, that's a really good book um, about how you, and they've done studies, you know, about you as being the subject are the direct um, participant of your reality. Like you're changing your reality by observing it. So the observer actually changes the experiment. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and they, I, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the observer changing the, uh, the experiment you see that in science all the time. Like I'm, I'm no expert, but it's something about like atoms or energy that they don't exist until there's an observer, like there's nothing right. there. And then once there's an observer, they, they show up and it's okay. And then also, um, the experiments with, with plants where it's like some plants are, are given love, like words of affirmation and kindness. And some plants are given like hatred and words, you know, nasty words and the nasty word plants just give up their will to live and they, they die and the other ones flourish. And it's like, what is that? There's this energy that we just can't see. That's amazing. And that reminds me a lot of Emoto's experiments, the Japanese scientist who worked with water. Um, so he um, has experiments where like he'll eat the same thing. He'll take a petri dish of water and say negative words or negative energy and then loving words and then freeze the water. And then you see these beautiful crystals of the, of the water and the structure of the water changes. And then into this beautiful patterning. And then the one that received the negative energy receives this, it, it, there's no structure to it. It looks, you know, broken, dull, or whatever you want, however you want to describe it. Um, and that just gives a testament to, you know, we're not, or however percent water we are. Um, I always get that wrong, but oh, I, I don't know, 80% or something. We're <laughs> yeah, just going to make it official. 80%. Okay. <laughs> well, we're 80% water, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and imagine when you give that energy, so that's why I love energy work because the science now is corroborate, corroborating with the, the, what we know intuitively, like it's, you're finally, the, there's scientists now who are interested in energy, right? Because there was no way of validating this or studying or, or using um, any sort of tools to measure, like, and how do you measure, right? Like energy in, in someone or giving Reiki to someone like how does that show up and usually it was anecdotal how they how they felt right yeah. but science really wants hard evidence so I know there's like a center of noetic sciences that works with 
people of who have like telepathic abilities and this and that. So there are scientists trying to do this research, but anyways, the water, the structure of water, I, I started doing that. So like, for example, I have water here and I'll bless water now before I drink it. I'll say thank you and, and whatever I need to say and what, and that's personal to everyone. And these are kind of tidbits of information that I give my clients because as I learn, I'd love to teach others um, of what I'm learning and how it, how it feels. And um, to me, so it's, it's beneficial. There's a great, you know, you can just YouTube a documentary on water and the structure of water and Emoto's experiments is a really good one. And, you know, it, it just, you can heal. I think water is healing. I think anything you direct an energy and intent with healing and love can change the structure of it. So of even people. So that's why I really do feel that this kind of energy healing and intent can really change people. It really does. Um, Cause I felt it as a, um, you know, as receiving end of it is of going to practitioners myself and receiving um, energy healing. And now that I practice it, I can hear it from my clients. But yeah, so, you know, I, I also wanted to say like for the intuition abilities that people have, cause you were saying, you were talking about like experiencing the taste and the smell, you know, people have in, this intuition, um, different modalities of intuition of how they sense and perceive with their intuition. And I call them the clairs, like there's the clairvoyance, which is the ability to kind of see in the mind's eye. Um, and then there's the clear audience, the people that kind of when they're meditating or in that space can hear. Um, so they hear information coming to them, extrasensory information. Um, there's clairsentience, which is the feelings. That's mostly where I operate from, the clairsentience. So I feel when I tap into, when I'm doing Reiki, I'll feel on my own body, for example, knee pain. And I'll say to the client, do you have knee pain? And they'll usually say, yes, they do. Or, you know, and if they don't, that's fine. I'm, I just say what, I'm not scared now to say what I feel just in case I'm, I'm correct in hitting um, the areas that they need more more treatment in. But um, there's clear um, aliens where you smell, and that I get a lot of too. Like, you know, when you think you smell, the memory of the smell comes back and it's usually my great grandmother or I'll have the smell of, you know, my grandmother used to smoke her cigarettes and her cream. And it was this mixture of cigarettes and cream. And I was like, I smell that's, it all the time. That's quite the combo. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's memorable. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a perfumey smell with cigarettes, but it was her smell, right? She smells cigarettes. Anyways, and um, the Claire Gustance is the the taste um, that, that brings back the taste. And and the claircognizance is when you just know. And I get a lot of that. So I get a lot of just knowing. I don't know how I know. It just enters my mind. And it's like, I know this. And, you know, when I work with clients and if I say what I what comes into me, the, the perception I get in just the knowing. And I'll just say, you know, I think I into my mind. And a lot of the times it's correct. Like, how did you know that? And I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know how I know. But sometimes it just hits me that way. So, you know, as a kid, I was very sensitive. How so, early on did you mm, know that you had this intuition? Like at first, did you just think like, oh, this is strange? Or like, did you think it no. was a gift? Or did you think, does everyone have this? What What are kind of your thoughts? When yeah. You back to that. So like, I never 
Okay, because I was aware of my great grandmother's gifts, I never thought I had that. You know, I was told like she really could see and tell people like really specific information. So I didn't think I had that initially, but I was very sensitive in my home. Like I knew my mom was unhappy. Like my mom was was unhappy. She eventually like left the marriage. But when I was young, I could feel her unhappiness, even though she's smiling and putting on this face and getting everything done around the house. But I, I was I was so aware of her unhappiness. Like I could feel it. And I'm like, but how is this, how is she putting on this, you know, this strength for us? Um, but I knew she was unhappy. Um, and I would say as a kid, you should divorce dad. <laughs> I didn't even know what that meant, but I just felt like that would make her happier, just being in her own energy. Anyway, so I, I think it was very early on. So I had that clear sentience. That feeling was probably around three or four. I guess. I wasn't sure I wasn't comparing myself to anyone. Um, and I don't really think I, ex other than telling my mom, you should get a divorce. I don't think I really expressed myself that much as a child with my mom. I hid a lot. Um, I was severely bullied um, by a, a bully. And I call her a bully, but she's obviously a beautiful person. And I um, and I know where her conditioning was and why she did what she did to me. But I was only like, just before I turned four, she, um, you know, my parents wanted us to have play dates and they left us alone. And then she exposed me to a lot of pornography and like from her father's, I guess, stash of pornography and whatever. Um, and then she didn't molest me. And when I was in such fear, not because of, I think, I think it was shame, right? And fear. And she would use what we did to um, bully me at school and say, you know, everyone, they're going to take you away. What we did is bad. And, and um, she just really um, manipulated me with that. So it was almost like trauma bonding, or I don't even know if I'm using that correctly, but I was so traumatized and I never wanted to go to school. I would wake up and I would want to vomit because every, every day was a navigation of how I would navigate her. Like, what am I going to do to, um, to stay away from her like energy? I could feel, but she was hurting. But I was a young, I was a four-year-old and five and six. It happened for many years. And I never told my mom. I like never. I And then eventually I started telling her, you know, this person's bullying me. And she saw I was unhappy um, around her. But anyways, what I would feel from her. So I knew it was like she was angry, but I would like pay attention to her. And I'm like, but she's hurting. She's sad, but she's really mean. And so I would get all this information that I didn't know how to deal with because I never used my voice. I was terrified to use my voice then because I thought we would get in trouble. And I'm assuming she used, she said to me, what was said to her was they're going to take you away. Um, if you tell anyone, they'll take you away. You won't be with your family and things like that. So I, I think later on as an adult, I went for um, uh, a practitioner in German new medicine because I had really bad bursitis. Anyways, he says, my brain, because this German new medicine talks about constellations. I don't know much about it other than I visited this practitioner who was able to like tell me my con the shoulder was an area in my basically brain that was experiencing a conflict. He said the reason I probably had psychic abilities or intu intuition because I had a constellation of fear and anxiety as a young child. And like that brought a it was almost like an imaginary world that I brought along. So I need to do more research into that. But he basically said, my trauma is what made me able, was, was actually the reason why I was able to have these extrasensory perceptions, because I was trying to make sense of my world. 
So I want to potentially look more into that. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah, true. I, or... I think, yeah. I think, you know, kids, if, if their parents aren't happy, generally, because you're a kid, you still want more what's best for you, where they would want the, the parents to stay together. So I think that shows how how different you were where it's there was already kind of this intuition and the selflessness that it was more like well my mom's unhappy i think she would be happier if if they got a divorce i think that's pretty telling in in you know um, interesting i never took that perspective thanks um yeah i just yeah i really could you're right as a young kid i could feel people's emotions and um, yeah and and i would say that happened early on and then when i would really like dreams would come true for me. So, you know, as I got older, I, I had, I had dreams of something happening and it would happen. And I just, I usually didn't really say it. Um, but, but as I got older and people knew I was intuitive, I would tell like, even a few years ago, my friend was pregnant. I'm like, I had a dream you were pregnant. She's like, <gasps> and she was, she was like pregnant at the time. And I also had dreams where um, I had miscarriages and right before the miscarriage, I'd always have this dream where I would see blood in the toilet and the next day or two days later sure enough and I was always terrified of that because it was yeah that was that was those were hard times for me not not all the yeah. visions are are what you want to see right they're not all yeah. rainbows and unicorns and no, sunshine and yeah they're not they are not all that that's no, that's the not. gift and the curse of being an intuitive I suppose right yeah and part of me sometimes wondered I'm like am I manifesting this? I hope I'm not. And I don't want to manifest it. So I just want to observe a lot of the times without judgment. And I just want to sometimes when now when I see things, I just let it be without saying, well, no, I, I want it to look like this, you know, because I'm very aware of, again, of you creating your life based on your imagination. So I always want the best. And so when I do see my clients, I always imagine them in the best possible light. But sometimes going through the darkest hour is what brings you to the light after, right? So after this rain, there's always the sun that comes out after a big storm. And sometimes that that is what will heal them more than just happy, pretty, lovely rainbow moments, puppies, um, especially heartbreak. When I see the clients that have gone through the most heartbreak in their life. I think Rumi said it, where the heart, you know, where the heart breaks, the light comes in. I'm obviously paraphrasing completely wrong, but that's where the most growth happens because that's the inner strength people find and the inner love. I used to go for walks all the time with my friend and we'd be like, what's, what's the purpose and what's the point and what is it all about? And we'd be like self-love, it's like loving yourself and feeling that energy of love. Um, and so for me, that, that energy has always carried me. Yeah, um, a, a, a lot of us as adults, mm -hmm. um, a lot of our challenges stem from childhood trauma that hasn't been mm -hmm. um, looked into, that hasn't been resolved. How often do you come across uh, childhood trauma with with your clients, where it's they just right? I, I've heard so I I've heard something that if if there's a, something that bothers you that is say more than a year old that means you haven't come to terms with it. You haven't really looked into it. You haven't learned the lessons from it. You haven't let go. So it, it's, if anything's over a year old, 
there should be no emotional attachment to it. There should be, I don't know, that that's what I heard. So if you go all the way back to childhood, if that's still something that that bothers you, it's it's that you haven't dug deep enough in, in what was the lesson there and resolving it. I, I, t- I have to agree with you. Like, you know, Joe Dispenza and all these, like I call them the spiritual scientists, they, they say that you're programmed from zero to seven. And even in my um, study of neurobiomagnetism, um, they say you're in neurobiomagnetism, sorry, neurobiomagnetism. I don't See, that's know. how hard it was for me to <laughs> yeah, do the intro you know? with all your, the crazy words, your titles. Yeah. It's not easy, is yeah. it? Now you know how it no, feels hosting this. Yeah. Don't tell anyone I was a speech pathologist. Oh dear. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, in neurobiomagnetism, they say that your brain goes into temporal recurrence um, and that what that means is you're firing the same neurons um, when you're in a state of, I guess, uh, limbic um, stress. So anxiety and so like a trauma, let's say. And so you will survive and use certain neurons um, and create this pathway where that helped you survive. And But then you're always approaching everything, every, any sort of external, um, event with the same neurons. And so it's almost like you're reliving traumas. And each time you're going back to what, what, you know, was, would be called a temporal recurrence. Um, so I agree. So, and in other terms, I would be, uh, you know, um, really, um, when you're programmed a certain way, like they see we're programmed and you're just using the same kind of conditioning to and 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 if it's in trauma or if it's even I don't know if it's even not in trauma but if you're in trauma and you're using the same conditioning you've always used and you're applying that to all these situations so they'll show up they say like they say it shows up constantly for you to heal it so what you said exactly what you said and I think that was happening with me and so when I see it in my clients I I'm not a therapist listen I'm not a therapist I'll tell them a lot of the times I tell them like clients to go see a therapist because I don't have psychotherapy training. Listen, I'm an undergrad. I had an undergrad in psychology, but that's not a therapist. But I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm picking up this energy, let's say, of, you know, and, and sometimes it's a father and mother and usually it stems from like father and mother stuff. And then they'll reapply it to every um, situation. So for example, someone that had a narcissist parent, they tend to attract that. So you're attracting the same kind of energy until you heal it. And it's so interesting. So I'm like, maybe you want to, and I'll just put something out. Like maybe you want to explore your relationship with your parents. Right. Um, and okay. I got, I got to touch on this. So, um, okay. Yeah. There's one of the best selling relationship books of all time is called getting the love you want. And, Mm. um, essentially it talks about, there's this theory that, Mm -hmm the partner that you choose is essentially your parent of that sex. And it's giving you a second chance to overcome or fix what you didn't like about that parent. So when you were a kid, you couldn't control that you had a narcissistic parent, say, I don't know, mom, and that you then go and you choose a narcissist because that's something you were familiar with. And this is a chance for you to actually change a person 
Um, it's like, again, the childhood trauma pulling that forward. And you think like, Ooh, that's gross. Like I, I keep trying to date my mom or my dad. And it, it's, it's true. Like I've had so many partners that are like, Oh man, you remind me of my dad, like super driven business, but that's also what they didn't like about their dad, that the dad wasn't home that much, that they didn't get the emotional stuff because they were always out and, and more like a robot, um, you know, grinding and doing the work. And, you know, on the dad's side, it's like, I, you know, we were broke growing up and then I worked hard and built a business and gave you a great life and provided for you, but that's not what the child wants. Right. So it's, I yeah so there's that book uh, getting the love right. and it goes getting deep the- into that and you're like oh that's weird but I, I think I think there's probably some truth there I I definitely agree um I'm just writing the book down because every time some a book comes up that I need to read I have to write it down um or put it in my phone but I there's a hundred percent value in that I mean we're both not psychologist I don't think you are are you a psychologist but well I claim to be on Fridays I claim to be just like me on Fridays um but um I I I went to I still go to a psychotherapist and he said absolutely that he said you absolutely this is like 100% you subconsciously attract your parents he's like that is that most people do it the ones that are not in conscious awareness then you have the opposite where the people are like i'll never be with them never one and they like purposely look for it but then this sub how some conscious energy comes in and they've attracted some quality that they were avoiding and it showed up and i think it's really interesting um because i i did that and part of me also had to learn that i'm not projecting onto my partner the trauma I received from like let's say my dad had a lot of anger issues Uh, we used to call him the incredible hulk we never knew when he was gonna like turn into the incredible hulk and he wouldn't remember like he would like punch walls or something and I love my dad like he's a a wonderful guy so I don't want to like make it seem like he's this like tyrant (laughs) but there's parts of our personality and behavior that um we're conditioned and want to improve on so I'm sure that's something he, he wanted to improve on eventually um but then he wasn't aware so he is this like anger and i was and and this and this tire and so i made sure i'm like i am never finding someone who's angry like i need them to be the most gentle and understanding and patient person and you know um but my dad also um had other, you know, he had good qualities. He had a lot of like laughter and there was so much humor. And that's kind of one of our, my things that I love. I love humor. And so I, I, everything I kind of probably avoided, it still showed up though for me to heal like other things. Um, I don't want to get too much into detail because it's not about like my life and, and my psychological understanding, but knowing some of these things has helped me with my clients. So, and going into therapy and being like, aha, those moments of awareness of myself, of my conditioning, of what happened to me, of like the trauma, how I responded to it, how it's coming back subconsciously in a cycle. I think everything cycles. I think like when I go into deep meditation, I'll see like geometric patterns and like cycles. And I feel like that's that's what we do. We we revisit and we we cycle back. And maybe it's neurology um, based. So the brain, and so that's why I get into neurobiomagnetism, where the brain is conditioned in that certain way. And neurobiomagnetism will use like a low 
um, frequency electromagnetic pulse to make the other neurons more discoverable, as well as your awareness. Um, so say, to say you have other options, you know, there's other neural pathways here that you can discover to address these situations. It doesn't have to always be this pattern. So um, yeah, I really, I, I definitely want to read that book um, because uh, like, I think it's 100% true. It's if you're not aware. I, I went, really uh, <laughs> I went in high school, I went on a date with a pretty girl and I was, I was dropping her off and I, I look over and she, she looked like my mom, but like a young, like a, yeah. And, and it, that was it. It was like, I can never unsee that. And, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with this girl. And it just, unfortunately, she like, reminded like me that. of what my mom looked like when yeah. she was younger and, and that was game over. So that's like but, that sorry, commercial. Girl. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that commercial where he's like, you're weird. You're dating someone that looks like mom. And then like, they're, I don't know what it is. And they look exactly the same. And he's like, oh yeah, I just noticed. I think it was like eggs for dinner. And like, that's weird. And you're weird. Anyways, the whole point is like, yeah, it's so subconscious, I think. And I think it's probably um, programmed in this as an evolutionary means, potentially, you know, you stay in your, in your tribe. This is, you know, people tend to like marry within the same tribe, let's say. Um, and, and it's also what they're used to, right? So not everyone has a negative experience with their parents. Most people, to be honest, after like living life, have very positive experiences with their parents, right? And they and they they want to look for that. They're looking for somebody that had those qualities in their in their dad that they really admired, um, in their mom that they really admired. Yeah. But it's funny when you're not used to it when they look they look alike yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes you see a couple where they look like brother and sister yeah like they both have blue eyes they both wear glasses and you're like that's kind of weird like they're both attractive people but they look like the same person but like the, the other gender yeah I've gotten that about my husband and me we were like I remember we were randomly I don't know actually no it wasn't randomly um we were in the hospital because he had appendicitis anyways and I was taking care of him and the nurse was like your brother I'm like what that's not my brother <laughs> that's my husband. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so I definitely can see that I can see. And then you get the people that kind of start looking more alike <laughs> once they start dating. But yeah, I've, I, I get that. I That's funny. I, so I have a French Canadian background and yeah. I dated a Portuguese girl for four years and never in my life had anyone ever said, Oh, are you Portuguese or you look Portuguese? And once I started dating her, almost everyone I met, they're like, Oh, do you have a Portuguese background? And it's like, I must've picked up like some mannerisms or something. Right. Um, but just like you said, like a couple as they're together longer, they start to look alike or act alike. So I, I got that somehow with a Portuguese girlfriend, I became semi-Portuguese. So I, I get it. I get it. And I guess, you know, from what I've read, um, it's evolutionary, like to be accepted in the tribe, you're more like them, you're similar, you adopt the mannerisms, and it's based on survival sometimes, right? Like you, you know, the tribes were life or death. If you, right. <laughs> yeah. if, if you got kicked out of the tribe, you were dead because right. the, the wildlife would kill you. The other tribes would kill you. So you had to yeah. fit in, you had to be liked. Right. So tribes were everything. And that's why we still right. have tribalism. You can't just yeah. go against yes. your programming, you know, that's it. And I think that's it. You, it's like a, this 
programming that you have. So you assimilate, you assimilate to your tribe. I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, totally. So for me, it was hard to get into, um, not hard, but I found not many people knew about tarot reading in my life, like other than my family in Mexico. So my Greek, my dad's Greek and my mom's Mexican. And I think my dad and like the, my husband's Greek. So I I married a Greek man, like, like my father. Um, um, but I think his family wasn't sure what this like terror. I was, I was almost like very hesitant to say I left a career in speech and language pathology to, to delve into energy work. So it wasn't tarot initially. Tarot was always like for fun, for friends and family. Um, but initially I got into hypnotherapy and I remember trying to justify it because the person I went to was Debbie Papadakis at the Hypno Healing Institute. The first time I went and discovered for myself what the powerful effects of hypnotherapy. And I was going through what I would say was my midlife crisis, my early midlife crisis at around 35. Your, I your was, <laughs> quarter life crisis or your I quarter, quarter yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. my third life crisis um, where I just like practicing in speech. I had the two kids. I had, you know, this wonderful husband, you know, the house. And I was the most unhappy I'd ever been. And part of it could have been I had post I had postpartum. I definitely did after my second. Um, but I was just I was just so unhappy. I was just I felt like I was just going through the motions. I had I had no real passion in my life. I was just I was a robot. I was a robot. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be so happy. Why am I the most miserable? And that's when I kind of dived into meditation. I dived into like, hypnotherapy. Um, and when I met this woman, Debbie Papadakis, and she, you know, she regressed me. Like I went into, like, I went and I was so, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and when I, um, went into my subconscious, I call it like that, like the real subconscious and, and we, and she got me into like, into this state. Um, and then she said, I can't remember exactly, but like travel and see who you need to see. Right. Um. And I went right to the bully that I had and I, and I had, it was still the trauma of that, I think. And I just started, she said, look at her now, look at what happened to her. And I had never taken that perspective. And I know people do in ayahuasca do that where they'll like go into the energy of, you know, the trauma and then they'll actually take the perspective and then see what happened in their, you know, their abuser's life or something. And they'll see what happened and you'll realize it's all a cycle. And, it's, it's a conditioning anyway. So I did that in, in hypno in hypnotherapy and I just cried and she's like, tell her what you always want to tell her. And I had never used my voice with her. And I was like, first screaming and, and she's like, scream, tell her. And I remember I was like, so timid because that was my child. That inner child was so timid. And she's like, tell her off, right? Like I can't even say it. And I was like, ask you, you know, all these years, I was so scared. I was vomiting before going to school. I had not just like, you took away my childhood. And she was like, say everything you need to say. And then she didn't leave it at that, where I was just left in a state of anger. She was like, now look at her now. Now look at her now. Really see her. Now, now is she, you know, and I'm like, wait a second. She's sad. Where I'm here. I'm hurting her more. I and then she's like, what happened to her? And I'm, I'm seeing this little girl that's wounded. Of course, she's a little girl that was so wounded. Um, I don't know if it's true or not what happened to her, but I could see what was ha what happened to her in that kind of like that conscious state by her dad. And I don't, 
want to speculate maybe it's true or not but in that you know state that I was in that's what I saw and I was like oh my gosh this is happening to her I feel you know I'm sorry and I wanted to protect her and I could forgive her and it was like forgiveness which is like a key Christian concept you know forgiveness it's like for yourself it's to let go of all this bondage within you and these energies and these trauma and I just forgave her I just and then I could forgive my dad and then like my mother-in-law came up who I I didn't ever feel good enough for her now it's totally gone I've like and you know some of the things she would say to me and I have I remember holding on to that a lot it was just holding on to a lot of what people thought of me or my conditioning or how I had to survive in what energy I had to survive in I could just let it all go and start fresh so I know you said you're going to a hypnotherapist. <laughs> I am, yeah. Well, when when we think back to being bullied, like I was bullied in in like grade nine or something. Um, when we think back, when the bullies were older than us, we see them as like you know almost adults or a lot older. But then, a lot of times when you think back, it's like you were three or four, and they were you know six or seven, and it's like if today. I brought you one of my nieces that are five and seven. And it's like, that's your bully. Like that's the age of your bully. And you realize it's they're ridiculous. Like they have, they have no idea what's going on. I I find like that helps um, to look back and, and to put it back into this bubble of they had, you know, they were a child figuring things out. They were bullied. They had no idea what was going on. So it wasn't like this prey you know, this person that was preying upon you, it's like they were young and, and naive, just like you were. They just happened to be like a year or two older. Exactly. Uh, yes. When you put it in that way, you, when you're in it, it's the biggest thing for you, right? Like, oh, yeah. first of all, when you see a child's perspective, like the only thing they know in their world is what they're experiencing. They don't have the eyes of the adult yet. They're not there. They can't go into that. That's why it's so important to listen to children what they're going through for them that, you know, and I know we say like, you know, just stand up to your bully or you just tell them no. And the truth is potentially that would have worked. I just never told anybody. Like I had no support. I, and the support I had, I remember, I remember I had this Bible like for kids and I would read it. I wouldn't read that. I wasn't reading them, but I would look at the pictures and I would see the picture of Jesus sitting and like all the kids were around him and the animals, the baby animals. And for me, it was like, I want, I want, and because my dad was a little bit, I couldn't talk to my dad then. And I could have, I possibly, you know what? I felt like I couldn't, I'm sure I could have. And my mom, they would have been there hundred percent for me. I just felt like I could not mm-hmm. But I remember seeing this like picture of Jesus and, and being like, just take, take this burden. Like, just take this from me and like seeing this picture. And I would always go to this children's Bible and really it helped me a lot. Um, even with other trauma. And then I kind of got rebullied again in grade nine where it was like that's it I thought I could yeah I even I think I thought it I didn't really contemplate contemplate suicide but I thought about how nice would it be to just go to heaven you know and like leave this earthly plane and then I realized no and yeah and I get it and and it was just it was hard for me in grade nine I it's, got great. It's like grade eight. You're at the top of the totem pole yeah, and grade yeah, nine, you're yeah. at the bottom again, you know? So grade nine is pretty challenging for everyone. Yeah. Some, some more than others, but yeah. Others. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but I just remembered that 
finding these modalities or not even modalities, these like areas of strength that would solidify my inner strength. So just, you know, I can make, I can make it in the head. I did have good friends and I did talk to my mom a lot, but I just, I never wanted to burden my mom because I knew how, um, how much was on her plate. She's like working full time, you know, all this, my dad. And I had a sister who, um, who also was having a lot of mental health issues. So, but yeah, so then I had to, I really found this inner strength and, and using my intuition a lot to just navigate. And and then I moved schools and then it was great. But um, yeah, so anyway, so I, people are like my friends when they know I'm doing this initially, we would use like tarot as just fun. Like I had a friend in grade, I think I was in grade 11 and we were really into psychic stuff. And her mom, she's massive. She was Macedonian. She passed away now. And this is the end um, from leukemia, from cancer. And she, her mom would read our cups. So these are like Greek or Turkish coffee. Um, you, you flip the cup and that's like tea leaves. And we would always be like, read our cups. And she would like, read us like our, our, and we, and we just loved it. I remember being like, Oh, I want your mom to read my cup. And I'd come over and she'd read our cup. And, and it was just, I don't know. We just loved hearing it and not everything happened the way she read it, but yeah. you know, we just, we just wanted to have that. And it's hope, I think like, Oh my gosh. And at that age, it was very much like, just like you going into university or whatever, whatever's on your mind at that age that you needed um, support in. So at the start, you you would do tarot readings, oh, yeah. mostly for friends and people you felt comfortable around. Right. Was there was there hesitation um, because some people have you know negative thoughts towards right. tarot? So I've heard religious people that think right. you know you're actually you have to be careful because the spirits that you're speaking to might not be who they say they are. The tarot is right. is is the the cards of the devil or whatever have you heard this stuff and did you have hesitations and now are you um, at a point where you know look this is us this is a skill that i have this is a service that i offer that that helps people that that offers people hope um what are your thoughts on on uh yeah i was aware of that because i i definitely heard that um and my mom even said it like people when she was growing up would say, Oh, your great grandmother's a witch. Um, oh, and you know, this and that. But I knew my great grandmother and I knew how loving she was. And I and I knew, first of all, I knew she was very Christian. And so um, so for me, it's it initially I was hesitant, more of like the perception of others in general, I was. Um, about everything, like what do people perceive? And then I just went, no, I, I think it's a neutral tool that I can use. I'm the one that creates the energy in what I think about something. So I am putting energy into it, and I'm going to put the energy of love into this because mm. I was hesitant initially because I had heard that. I'm like, what? So it's different than I'm like a seance or or no, something yeah, else, I don't, right? I'm not invoking spirit really. I'm just tapping into. Uh, like a, when I, when I definitely want to be in that zone, I'll go into like more of a meditative state. Um, and half the time I don't even put myself in that state and I just like, okay, we're going to use the cards. And then I shuffle the cards and I, and then I read them. I read them based on, you know, I've taken a few courses, um, about tarot reading and I use what I feel, what I see, what I, what comes up from my own 
um, feeling, intuition, you know, that clear cognizant, whatever comes up, I'll say it. Um, and I don't really put stock into that. And the people that believe that won't come see me, really. Um, but I definitely know for me, I ask for benevolent um, forces and really love, the energy of love for it. Um, I know I heard that too about Reiki. People said that that's like anti-Christian. But I'm like, when I did Reiki, I didn't even think about that. Like someone said it once and I was like, huh, I never went there. Like I never went there to those negative aspects. I always see it in light um, and love. And I'm like, when I do Reiki, yes, you know, the ma Reiki master say you you ground yourself and you bring the energy, the the, um, the key, the chi, the prana, life force energy through you. And I always invite, like for me, one of my uh, mentors or kind of role models is Jesus. So I'll invite the spirit and the energy of Jesus for me. Like, so that's for me. That's not for everyone. But they say invite who you need to when you're doing healing. And so I don't know. Like, I, I don't really have an answer to tell people. They're going to believe what they want to believe. But I believe this. When I go into it, I believe wholeheartedly that I'm coming from a place of love. Um, and this, and really the spirits, like, listen, have I, I don't consider myself a medium. Um, I don't really invoke spirit in doing this. So you're right. I'm not, it's not a seance. I'm just kind of reading the cards, using my intuition with what comes up with me, helping the client, um, you know, with just what I see. And, and a lot of the time I tell them, and most of the time I always say this, I, if you don't like what you're seeing, what I see maybe in the future, change it. You are co-creating your life. You're creating it. I'm just seeing this. And that's a potentiality that I probably picked up from your energy of where you might be going. But there's so many potentials. Like there's infinite potential. Like when I went into meditation, I could see one time grids and over the whole earth and like grids coming out of people and how everything is a probability. Like every future future um uh, probability exists for people in and they can create it and they can just tap into it i was like and that's what i want to tell my clients you can tap into it and you know when i read these books um about um creating and manifesting and they said the feeling is the key and and the um, so what you feel you kind of bring in so greg braden talks about that a lot too um and he does quote the bible a lot to say how how in isaiah so, you know, I'm paraphrasing again, but like people can look into it on their own, but how the feeling magnetizes it, magnetizes the reality. And like the thought is what you want and then the feeling brings it to you. Um, so I like telling people that I do. I really like telling people they have the power. Listen, if they are going to believe something negative about me, they won't come see me really um, because they have to know that I'm, I'm really about love and I definitely tap into that feeling of goodwill and love for people. I really want to see them succeed. They are me. We're all in this together. We're all connected. I really do feel that. And we're co-creating. And I show up in this energy of love. And I definitely love for people to expand their awareness um, and about consciousness, about, about being able to change their realities. Yeah. And if they want to, some people are extremely happy with their reality and continue, <laughs> you know, um, but if they want to change it, it's possible. Um, and I come in as a tool to help people. A lot of people tell me that I gave them hope, you know, 
And I remember when I was is at that, is that not the best gift that you can give somebody? I know. Well? Like what? And yeah. What do we have if we don't have faith or hope? Right. Exactly. And if good for them, if they can find it within themselves and they can find it in the Bible and they don't like good, great. I don't, I'm not like, um, in the sense that I'm not, I'm not selfish in the sense that I want everyone to come to me for their awakening. You get to your own awakening, however you want to. Um, and if I can help along the way, I'm happy to help. Um, I, I'm happy for you to expand your consciousness, to know that you're a co-creator, to know that you have this in, in your internal belief and your feelings can create this beautiful reality that you want that's in your mind that you can create. And if I can help along the way, I'm so happy and honored. I'm so happy and honored when people come to me and like, thank you for allowing me to be part of your journey in life. And I always learn from my clients because like the mirrors show up, mirrors always do show up for you. I have um, a, I have a, I have a yeah. mentor who's, who's pretty religious and, you know, he has a lot of, of mentees that maybe aren't religious. So he, and he, he, yeah. he's not afraid to talk about his beliefs and right. religion and lessons right. from the Bible and all that. And he always says, if you are not religious, just take what I say is strictly academic. So don't, so oh, that makes sense. even if you're yeah. hearing Jesus, the Bible, God, whatever, just extract yeah. the lessons, take this as academic, take it as a story if you don't believe it. So I always right. liked that term. He would give like a blanket statement, like, yes, I'm going to say God, I'm going to say Jesus, I'm going right. to talk about the Bible. So take it as strictly academic, if that's what will allow you to see past what normally would have you put a, a stop sign up, you know? Excellent. I like that. I don't know if Tara's pretty academic. Maybe it can be, but whatever you, I like Yeah, that. just extract um, the lessons from right, this. Right. Extract the lessons from it. I love that. Thank you. Extract no problem. So, so you, you say that you use tarot as a tool to help, help people um, learn the following things to go within themselves. And right. I have a list here of three things. So uh, help yeah. them uh, with their current energies, issues they're dealing with in their lives and possible outcomes. Number two, key lessons that will help them grow to a higher evolution of themselves. Number three, knowing they have the power to manifest and that tarot is just a guide. The power to create is in the person. So uh, is there any of those that you wanted to elaborate on or is that pretty self-explanatory? It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I don't mind getting into like, so a lot of times people come with their own intent of what they want. Okay, it to look like so I can't. Is that good or bad what. or neutral? It doesn't matter. I don't think it. I don't. I think it's neutral. It doesn't. It doesn't matter because they want to get out of it. Maybe an answer about work or a relationship. Like I just. I just need this answer. Like a lot of people will come with that, and that's fine. So you know, I start. I'll start the tarot reading and and I'll I'll see the current situation. I always ask for what's the current situation and see if it resonates with them. So I'll say, you know, this is happening, and. Um, so a lot of the times people say yes. And then that's when I kind of throw in my nuggets of information. So if I'm seeing like, oh, I, you know, if I get a card that shows me that it's a cycle, I'm like, oh, this is like a cycle. It's like a pattern in those relationships or, you know, um, and then I'll bring that into play. Um, and they all say, oh yeah. And that's where they get awareness. Oh, right. This is a, this is a pattern in my relationship or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I'll throw kind of those things in and then um the lessons like so key lessons the major arcana i always think there's 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 major and minor arcana in the tarot the major arcana 
when I see those come up in a tarot, I know this is something that they're, this is like a, a major lesson in life. So, so something they need to really grasp and they might be stuck on it. So for example, can I say what your, one of yours was, or you? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, up next, I was <laughs> going to dive into this year's readings that you did a few weeks ago. Right. Okay. So let's do it now while we're talking about this. So the death card was something that came up for a lot of people, right? Right. And death is, is like letting go sometimes. It's the lesson of letting go the past, letting go in in a situation of relationship, letting go finally of that relationship, like really letting it go from your heart, letting go of your old self. So um, because some people want to hold on, hold on to the pattern and sometimes even the attachment um Letting go of attachments, really. I think the Buddha is like all about letting go of attachments. So even attachment to your own body, even in, not embracing death, but even the concept of dying is so, his people in such fear. Like you can really program people in fear when they're fear-based. It's, they're very much, um, very manipulated. So I see that too um, nowadays, actually. But that concept, um, a concept of knowing they create like there's a concept of mother and father that comes in like so what is what is that father figure what's a male energy mean to you feminine energy like how are you a lot of women have um issues showing up as a fat what is feminine energy um showing up like to you what does that mean to you so i'll ask questions if they're not ready to hear it i just leave it right mm. so i leave it for them to contemplate a lot of people just want tell me what's gonna happen and I'm yeah. like, well, this is sh like, I just tell me, or should I do this? I'm like, first of all, you're ultimately know what's good for you. And you, I always ask them to check in with themselves. You'll know if it feels good. You'll know if your cells are singing and then dancing and you feel joy when you want to do something. And like, that's what you want to do. I have a lot of people that are doing a profession. They're not happy. And they're like, I, and I'm like, what do you really want to do? Cause I'm seeing here, you're very artistic and you've let that go. Um, how can you incorporate that more? Yeah, and I really, I should incorporate it more. And a lot of people, and I understand their financial um, situation, they can't just stop uh, what they're doing to currently make money and go after their passions. They need a transition period. Mm -hmm. um, they need a period where they're, they put the energy, and I said, just put more energy into what you love and see what happens. And that's kind of how I did it too in myself. Just so I, I also speak from experience. So you know, I, I went and did a course. I saw if I could, if I loved it and like put the energy in it and see what comes out of it. And so I've, I I've heard advice that you should pick just one thing mm -hmm. and work as hard as humanly possible on just that one thing and see what happens. Cause we're also oh, scattered right. with like right. 12 big dreams and all these yeah, things we right. want to do. We're scattered and we don't know how to multitask. And, you know, like you mentioned, what is it where your where your thoughts go, your energy flows, or yes, something like that? So, so yeah, if you just dedicated like everything you've got, all your energy, and it's just a spotlight on one area, whether it's like just getting in the best shape of your life or just working on this this one album that you're writing, um, you have no idea what you're capable of if you actually played it one hundred percent in one area. So that's that's good advice, even if it's for one month, like give it one month to see what you can do with your health. Like if you've been struggling for mm -hmm. six years, 
just it's one month, you know, maybe you can't hold it up over six months or a year, but can you do something for one month and just see, and it's like, you have no idea what you're capable of at the end of the month. Like you could have lost 10 pounds and you have endless energy and you're sleeping better. And suddenly you're attracting all these awesome people because of the energy you're putting out and the space you're in. Like you have no idea how much your life can change by just dedicating to one thing. So I, I, I always thought that was really good advice. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and that's why when I read, I see the energy and the energy I feel and, you know, I'm feeling this. So I have, you know, some people are in terms of their energy are drained, you know, their situation is very draining and how, how, so I, I kind of usually use the, the tarot as a tool to just have a conversation with people. Like, cause they have the answers within them. It's not in the tarot, it's in them. This tarot is kind of letting them see the possibilities, right? Um, and so it's in them and then knowing and having faith that they can do it. That, that's why for me, I remember when I was miscarrying a lot and you know, I was, I was reading my Bible. I was, I was believing it, but there was something missing. Like, the doctors weren't sure what was happening. And I was like, I just, I want to see a psychic. I'm like, where's my great grandmother? I want to ask her, is this coming? And I remember going to the psychic that I go to actually still once a year. I do a yearly, like January or in my, on my birthday, I'll see the psychic. Um, and he was like, I see this baby. I see you changing your job. And he was right. Like I, not that he was right. I, I was, he showed me like that it was coming and he was so just matter of fact yep the baby's coming this is her name you know and he was saying and I'm like yeah it's it's coming and like you're changing your job and I was like yeah I was stressed I was stressed at work I was having like not that the stress was causing the miscarriages potentially like there was a hormonal issue I was having but I was so happy that I was like let me make some changes now like am I in the highest vibration to bring a baby in the world is, is this job the highest vibration? So no, I'm like, no, I want to work with kids. And at that time I was working as a speech pathologist still. Um, and I wanted to work with kids. I was at, I was in acute care in a hospital um, with really old patients, that, a lot of stroke patients. And, and because, oh, and that's the time when I was really paying attention to my intuition. Like I would have dreams of who was dying. It was just overwhelming for me. Um, and but the nurse, first of all, the nurses, wow, wonderful nurses, like what they do, they should be millionaires for what they do. Anyways, uh, as a side note, but feeling so much, but I was drained there. And he told me I would change jobs, work with kids. And then I was getting pregnant. It literally happened in three months. And I just, you, you know, when you know, and I'm like, hmm. even if this is BS, like even, cause I always had that too. I was, I was a skeptic. I'm a skeptic too. I, I'm very analytical. I like analyzing and I'm like, this is BS. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this true. And just like the opposite. If someone tells you negative news, like, you know, I had my hypno hair, uh, hypnotherapy um, teacher where she said that, you know, she went to the doctor after an accident and he said, you know, you're never going to walk again. And she's like a hypnotherapy instructor. And she's like, she literally told him off. She's like, F you, you're not going to tell me what my body can do. <laughs> she told him that. And she like walked in two months later and said, sorry, I had to swear at you because you can't tell me what my body's going to do. Like you told me this. And, you know, I always remember that. But, story may, but maybe that's <laughs> like, that's all a part of this cosmic plan where 
she needed to have someone tell her it's not possible to do what was necessary to make it possible. And that if that guy didn't say that, that maybe it would be a a slower recovery or she would never walk again or something. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to know. Right. That's like Joe Dispenza's recovery from like this. You've read his stuff, right? And he just, he knew what he had to do. He's like, no, they, you know, they said I had to do this and this, and I would, you know, it would, I I don't know if they told him he'd never walk again. I can't remember. I think think they said that. Yeah. And he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's the power of the brain, of the mind, of the belief system. Um, So I think that's what I want to let people know. And sometimes we don't get that deep and I don't tell them all that because I kind of want to gauge where they're at. Um, So it's not always like me saying these such impactful words um, because some, some of my clients, don't want to hear that they want to hear what they want to hear and I let them take away from it what they what they need what they want but I have that knowledge where I where I have that belief system actually so I tell them I'm like this is my belief system just coming into this not that you need to know that you'll have your own but I believe you can create your own reality so when the cards are coming up I'm working with you to see what's showing up but you can change it and you can create whatever you want and and sometimes hearing something makes you believe it so much that's what I think so hearing it from somewhere else makes you solidify your own dreams like yes I was going that way and yes this is what I want and yes it can happen or hearing the opposite me say exactly what you said what if I say something no I don't like that that's not where I'm going I'm happy either way because that's what they needed so and some people might like oh I hated that terror reader she was awful like I get that and it solidifies I'm not this I want this great you know this is who I am great that's are you in more awareness? The point is that you are creating your reality, your life. Um, so, so I think what, what yeah. was crazy about the death card for me. So when you, you read yeah. my cards a few days yeah. ago, um, so the death card comes up and, you know, sometimes it could be a negative, like someone's passing away mm-hmm. or what are the death of a job or whatever. Right. And, um, in my case, you flip the death card, but you felt a vibe that this was a good death. Like you, you, this is what's crazy is you said it's the death of something that needs to die. And you said you've chosen, you've already chosen to leave something in 2021 that will no longer follow you into 2022. And literally like a day or two before the reading, I had made a conscious choice that um that depression was not going to follow me into 2022 so i've you know uh about the last three years i've been um kind of struggling with depression uh you know i had a best friend that passed away in a car accident i had a grandpa that died i um you know had a long-term relationship that ended all three of those within a few months and then i'm i'm a social guy i'm an extrovert in the last two months the world has had me locked in a room alone for, 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 for two years, you know? So um, that's been difficult with the mental health. So it's been a journey, but, you know, a couple of days ago, I are right before new years. Uh, I, I decided like, how long is this going to drag on for? Like it's been three years. Right. It's such a long time. And I just consciously made a choice. I said, look, I've done enough work on myself with all the the reading and the personal growth and talking to people. And I got a therapist and I've, I've been journaling and meditating and I've done everything I can knowing now that I have the tools to, to leave depression behind, but I have to make that choice. 
So I literally made that choice. And then right away, you flip the death card and you go, no, wait, this is a good death. Um, you've chosen to leave something behind in 2021. And that's literally what I did like 48 hours before you drew that card. So it was death, I'm death of depression, death of ego, death of attachment, death of needing to control everything. Um, so I don't know if you want to elaborate on what you felt. I'm so I'm happy I validated that for you. And however you receive that validation, like the synchronicities show up in your life through people, through something you might hear on the radio, right? Or, you know, on, on your social media, um, through another person. So I think I just came to validate that. So when I speak from my intuition, I kind of just feel and that claircognizant comes in um, ability where I just say what I think you need to hear. And that's why when I flip that card, I just allow myself in this flow space and I don't judge it. So I had to say that. So I'll say different things to different clients and they'll say, I needed to hear that. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm just a vessel to get you in your, the information you need um, to go on your journey and be the best version of you. So I'm happy when I hear this and I, it, it feels like, I don't want to take credit for it because you did that. You know, it's not me. I just validated it for you. You made that decision. You received from the universe the validation that, yeah, you're going to do this. You chose it. It's happening for you. Amazing. Um, and you're getting the validation. So I don't, I don't see myself as I created that for you. You created it for you. So I just showed up at the right place, right time to tell you. <laughs> it could have been somebody else, right? Like, I don't give myself that much credit for what I do other than I, I'm I do get happy though and joy when I see people um, understanding themselves and, and validating where they need to go to be the best version of themselves. So, mm. so thank there, you. For, there there yeah. were, there were two more readings that were pretty mm -hmm. crazy. And be, before I get into those yeah. um, to me, what's, what's astounding is so how spot on you are with your readings, number one, is is pretty crazy. But what, what makes it even crazier for me is we we do it like over Zoom. It's not like you're in person and you, you know, I'm a poker player, so I can read people really well. You know, the way they move their tics, like are they feeling confident or not confident? All of that allows me, regardless of what my cards are, I can tell what to do next based on people and their energies. But you're not in a room with me. You're like right. ones and zeros in, you know, <laughs> in another city five hours away. So to me, it's not just the fact that your readings are, are amazing, which would be mind blowing in person, but it's the fact that you're not even anywhere near the person you're looking at them on screen. So can you talk about how, how that's even possible? Like, well, how, what are you actually getting from the other person when you're just, okay. So that's a, I feel like that's a good testament to distal healing even, distal, when you send energy out, you can send it to anyone across the world. And that's also a testament to the unified um, field theorem, like what Nassim Hermine is saying about, you know, he is one of many, again, we talked, we said that, that where you can direct energy anywhere and feel energy from anywhere around the world. Um, so when I tap in, to somebody in a reading, I, I guess my energy can go anywhere. I think it's limitless. So I think that's what's happening. Energy can 
even cross time and space. <laughs> That's what it's doing. Um, so really, I'm tapping into your energy field. And I'm, and what I do is when I use the cards, I pick up energy and, and I basically um, tell I use the cards a lot, right. And if I don't some and I'm not always spot on and sometimes not feeling it, I can't tap in. And I really just rely on the cards. I get the cards are saying that. And I feel bad because sometimes maybe those clients will feel that. <laughs> like, oh, she just read the cards. But a lot of the time I do try to get into that space and that zone to tap into your energy. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just, you know, the remote viewing or astral traveling people do with energy. I know, I know Mind Valley um, does a lot of work on um, on that on because I took a, I took a course actually on the Silva method, Ultra Mind. Um, and basically you can put anyone in your mind's eye and give them healing, send them healing anywhere in the world. So really you're tapping in to energy. And again, and it speaks to the connection that we all have to get there. It's just the tools of how to get there. You know, everyone, you can read up on it or look it up of, on how, how to get in that space. Um, a lot of my clients ask me, can you provide a meditation course? And I took an amazing meditation course with my mentor a long time ago, who now moved to BC. Uh, Belinda Pita. I remember that she she was one of the first ones that kind of got me introduced introduced me to meditation and the meditation world and the chakra world. I wasn't I knew about chakras, but I wasn't that familiar with them. And anyways, so she got us into that space. And so you have to practice it. You have to re, you have to really practice it. Um, you know when they say you think of someone and they call you. Yeah. Like we're always tapping. You think of a song and it comes on the radio. I think you're always. Sub, not consciously aware that you're tapping in to energy fields, but you are. I, I, had, um, a, I, think we're I had a roommate. Doing... I had a roommate yeah. once. I was in my room. And so I was in my room and mm -hmm. I had a song stuck in my head. So it's like in my head, I'm like humming this song. And then my roommate was in the shower. He gets out of the shower, he walks by and he's, he's humming the same song. And like, I wasn't doing it out loud and he was in the shower and it's like yeah. somehow we communicated that and it was it's true it's like i say it's like a radio station and you tuned in like you know that's sometimes what psychics say they're like i'm tuning into the radio station to hear this frequency and they tune so you well, tuned well, everything into is thing. energy and energy is yes. frequency, right so exactly exactly so i'm kind of when i do a reading i try to like dial into your frequency that's what i'm kind of trying to do i'm trying to listen and feel and hear and and experience your frequency so that's what i'm doing um and so i have to like just go in and and get dial into you and pretty much um give you the messages that i'm receiving from your frequency and vibration which is interesting because sometimes the frequency drops or goes higher or whatever i can feel frequencies for different people um so and i have to be mindful of clearing it also just be like wait that's not my energy and i always ask myself i check in is this my energy or is this someone else's because you know with my i have two daughters and they have their own frequency and my husband has his own energy that he comes in with so that i'm i'm always trying to stay at the highest vibration i can for me because i like operating in a high vibration and sometimes it's like the new meditation i'm looking into now is the um heart brain frequency the heart brain coherence sorry so you co it's a coherence between your heart and your brain and like greg braden has these meditations joe dispenza and it's on heart math um and i find those are very very effective 
I remember when I worked on Kundalini meditation, where I was really exploring that, that was like mind blowing because I had so much information come in when I worked on that, like to the point where I had never actually seen spirit show up. And I had spirit show up for me during that time. Uh, I don't know what was happening. I think I was like taking energy out into my third eye. And so I was able to see with my third eye. And I remember I was seeing Mary Magdalene. She was coming. I thought it was my grandmother and she identified herself as Mary Magdalene. And, um, and then she was showing me smells in um, a lot of herbs. So I don't know if it was real. Like I went to my psychotherapist right away after that to say like, I think I'm hallucinating. <laughs> like what's going on? Cause I still had that very science brain. Like, tell me what's going on scientifically. Oh, I just dropped it. So I would be like, tell me what I'm, what's going on scientifically of my brain. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I think like he was like, I think you're receiving legit information. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's not helpful, but I want to know what's going on in my brain. Like, why, why is this happening? Right. So Anyways, it was just interesting during that time. And then I did all this research on Mary Magdalene. It's a great book, actually. A lot of great books that I read about her. Um, And one of them was Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. And it was just interesting information. She's an important figure in in religion. Right. And it's funny how the, you know, before she was considered a prostitute, right? And I don't know if that's true. Like, I'm hearing that wasn't true. So I looked into it a lot. And like a, apparently a pope said that she was, and then they retracted that information. And now that she was, anyways, very interesting, hmm. interesting stuff. But interesting stuff for me to, uh, about just learning um, about the brain more because she then, or I don't know who it was, that was, I kept getting these downloads when I was really practicing Kundalini. And they say, like I've read that you shouldn't practice it if you're not ready because it is too, it's too much information. It comes through. I always do this because you're moving energy up for Kundalini um, meditation. You feel it. And it was really important for me to practice that because um, learning how to use sexual energy, because to me, it felt like Kundalini was this prime source energy at the lower chakra. It felt like sexual energy and it's moving up. And I have this mentor now who says, like, you have to take that energy and use that creatively. You know, use that energy creatively because a lot of people leave it in those chakras and they're creating babies usually with that energy, right? So you are doing the biggest creation of all, right? Um, a, a child. But it's like, take that energy, move it up, express it, express it out and move it up. And so I moved it all the way up and I was seeing all these things and downloads were coming in. I mean, it was, I guess it was great. It was just so much information. Um, and I would write, and I would see like geometric patterning. Um a lot of geometric patterns, a lot of smells, smells like, and I would see the brain. It was just so interesting. It was an interesting time in my life. Um, and I think I kind of moved away from Kundalini meditation. I think I'll go, I'll definitely go back to it. Um, now I do the brain heart coherence and I, and after I my ayahuasca journey, so I did do a ayahuasca. Um, I really was able to feel in my body. Um, that's one of the things that came out of it for me. And really forgive what happened to my ancestors because that was something that was, I guess, in my DNA because I'm Mexican, so I have Native um, ancestry. And I went to, to Debbie Papadakis, who's in the Hypno Healing Institute, and she did a regression. And I was having nightmares as a kid of 
a past life. And a psychic had told me, my psychic had said, you know, this is a past life issue. And then you always hear that it's a past life issue. And you're like, yeah, I came forward with this past life issue. And I'm like, what, what is that? Like, what does that really mean? But I would have nightmares. And then my mom, I would wake up screaming. And I remember my mom said to me once, just look at it. You know, you, you, just look at it. And I'm like, I didn't want to look at it. And it was a man in 15th century garb sitting on a sailboat. And I still screamed and I woke up laughing. I'm like, what is that? It's just, and I remember that week when everything was kind of really coming to my consciousness, like, what is this trauma? I said, something said, turn on the TV. And I turned it on. And it was a PBS special about colonization. And how indigenous people, you know, Christopher Columbus is not their hero. I don't even know what this this documentary was about, but they're like the slaughtering of these tribes. And I was like, and I was looking, and I'm like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was having a visceral response. And I was like, this is this, is this from my past life. And then when I went to this regression, um, I saw this past life and I lived and I was crying. And in, in one of the in the meditation, she's like, look at, you know, how did you die? And I looked down and I had smallpox. And I kid you not, I got this rash, like in this life, like it came out of my head, it came out of my back. I'm like, what, what's happening? Like, almost like I was reliving. I went so deep into that life that I, I don't know if it was the memory or was, was I creating it? I created it potentially. That's how strong the brain is, right? Um, that it created it again. And it could have been a story that I told myself. I'm not even sure, right? And then um, when I did ayahuasca, I was, able to heal that I, you're like you have permission to let that shit go heal it I'm like I heal it I'm not gonna live and like this happened to my tribe like you know I didn't even speak like that anyways after I realized that but I was very sensitive to indigenous here in Canada during that time when I was getting that information I'm like what's what's going on really like how are we treating our indigenous people here um so that really came to the forefront in the awareness. And then it became a collective awareness. Like we all learned about residential schools. I didn't learn about residential schools um, growing up at all. And now we're all aware of this um, and how, how we were treating these, like these caretakers of Canada, really, like of all the land. And so for me, that was a big wake up call. To, and I had to heal that because I think I had a lot of, trauma and, and you know my like a psychic would say like I brought that trauma with me in this life so I was reliving this trauma so it was just interesting ayahuasca helped me a, tremendously in terms of healing that and I get that a lot about ayahuasca people feel like addictions like lifelong addictions um yeah they say that the, the trauma yeah. and the challenges will repeat until the lesson is learned like if you keep yeah. getting the same, you keep dating the same jerk yeah. or you keep, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it'll, it'll continue until you learn the lesson. Like that's why it keeps reappearing is you, you, there's something you need to take out of this that you're just not getting. So you're going to continue to suffer until you take this yeah. seriously. Um, the, yeah. so there's two more readings you did uh, that they were pretty, uh, pretty crazy for me. So in this case, you would flip a card, which was like the main thing. And then you would flip two more that would have to do with the first card that was flipped. So you, for me, you flip a card with a house and then you flip a card with an animal and then you flip a card that has to do with growth. And, and what's crazy is, so you flip a house, 
And for me, it's that I had, I had sold my house and I moved to a new place in a new city. So I'm in Ottawa. So I got a new place. Then the second one was an animal. And two months ago, I got, I, I got this uh, rescue rabbit, Violet. And the third one was growth. And it's the new place plus this other um, entity that needs me to survive. And, and, you know, it's not just about me and my suffering. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's other people and other things out there that, that need my help. So it was the house and the animal that were a huge area of growth for me. And, and I would arguably say the last two months that I've had her have been the best two months I've had in, in three years, you know, and, you know, in, in the last two years during um, the lockdown, there's been a lot of loneliness because you're just alone. I mean, you're, you know, you might have some, some loneliness, but you're there with your husband and your kids. Like most people are quarantined with other people. And then there are some of us that are literally just alone. So, um, yeah, in the last two months since I got Violet, there hasn't been one day where I felt any loneliness because I'm not alone. I have this, this fuzzy creature that just loves me and wants to snuggle all the time and appreciates me. So um, those three cards and together, meaning like one story, were, were pretty crazy. What, what are your thoughts on those three cards coming out? Right. And I always say like it's the power of like the cards that like sometimes they surprise me too. I'm like, wow, it's great. Like this came out. So I am just as equally surprised when it comes out sometimes. Like I stay in that mode um, of just staying in, again in that, in that meditative mode. So, but usually after a reading too, I'll, I'll reflect. I'm like, that's interesting. Like, wow, those cards come out. I thought the same thing. Every reading sometimes surprises me after I'm like, I'll tell my husband, I'm like surprised the accuracy of this these cards me i'm like so surprised but i think again it's giving you what you need um animals i'd love to speak on that a bit i just i love animals too always have and i'm starting to appreciate plants more and how they communicate and what energy they bring and um for animals and children when you when you're in the vibration of taking care of others like it takes you out of your mind really and if you're of your potential depression or loneliness like they're the best company i think animals because they have a higher they say they have a higher vibration right i don't i don't know when i tap into them they can they also i feel are empaths in the sense that they can pick up vibrations from us as we all do we're all interconnected so i think lifting each other up in this like loneliness and having company is beautiful and being there and i know when your pet yesterday was feeling sick did you not receive all this like energy of healing and love and the feeling of Well, I, I got sick when she got sick. So yesterday she <laughs> yeah. wasn't feeling well. And then, you know, it's yeah. that I, I was up in the middle of the night and I didn't sleep and all. So like that causes sickness as well, but she got sick and then I got sick. Like I got yeah. the sickness uh, vibrations and energy. And yeah. You got, you got the, and now you're both healing. Like, well, now she's better. feeling better. She better send that back <laughs> over here. You know? She'll send it back. Well, I'll send that to you. It's nice to receive that. You, I know you put it out for you and a lot of people are hesitant to ask for healing for themselves, but for others, they'll say, please send healing for my friend, for my animal. And it's, and it's like, when we need it, we don't ask for it, but you can even ask just, you know, I'll, I'll send healing as well to you, but I think it's true. You tap into the energy and then you'll feel it. I think maybe you take it on 
I do that too as an empath. I'll take on the pain of somebody else or their sickness. So I think you you did that. You transferred it to you and now you'll heal. I, then, I extracted and, <laughs> like the snake bite, yeah. the venom out of the, yeah, the victim. Out of and I took and know it. that. Yeah. And you know, don't say like, and words are so important in how you say, you know, you've read the four agreements and I've read this a lot. I think Wayne Dyer would say it a lot. Like, don't say I'm sick and I, you know, I'm going to be sick for like 14, you know, whenever I get sick, I get sick for 12 days. Like I'm healing like words, words have energy and they create, they manifest. So say I'm healing, you know, I took the energy and now I'm healing and it's just symptoms of your healing really sickness. So yeah. yeah. But anyways, with the cards, yeah, I'm I'm surprised too. I'm not gonna lie. So when I, I just go with the flow, so I'll get cards and I'll say them and I'm and when I'm tapping in, I'll just read them and I'll I'll tap into the energy. So if I see that card, which I picked up from you, and this is this is like one of my first decks I received. So it's not like a traditional deck. It's it's its own little deck. Anyways, it's a it's an animal card. Sometimes that means old friend. I interpret it, but when I tap in, I'm like, no, this is an animal. Um, and then the house. So really, I just sometimes read it to you. And then sometimes when I'm not sure and I'm not able to tap in, I'll read you, I'll read the cards and tell you the different meanings that come from it. So house could be a new house, changing of a house, energy in the house. And then I have to read the other cards as a story to it or like like information. So I take the information and I say, it could mean this and that. How do you interpret it for you? Right. And where, you know, so, um, so the house, an animal. So I really interpreted like house is it's a new house, moving the house, a new house and an animal coming in. It could be an old friend, but for you, it felt like animal. And then you validated that for you. Um, and then we, you know, in the reading, everybody wants to know where they're going, right? Like that's the whole point. Most people call me for that, especially in the new year. Where am I going? Is this going to happen for me? I'm, I really want this. Um, and is it going to happen for me? Um, again, I talked to them about, you know, manifesting. I'll direct them to Neville Goddard's work or anything that works for them. And just the belief that it's going to happen. Anything that's going to help them know what they want to manifest, they can. And then we'll look at the cards um, together. And I'll say this, this, and this. I'll read it with the information. And, the, you know, and that's where we go from there. So it if it works out, if, if it's like a new, I'll get the card for a new job and it'll look like a new job. And, you know, I have clients that will be like, can you just pull one card for me? Like they'll text me. Like I need to see one card pulled. And one of them was like, I, someone just told me about that and I'll pull it for them. But I'll be like, how do you feel? Do you want, like, is this bringing you joy? Do you want to do this? And I'll be like, the cards look positive or I don't want them to be thwarted. If the cards look negative, I'll be like, okay, they look negative. But what is it that you're bringing to it? What's the energy of that? You don't want to follow this path so um yeah i i don't like it's funny that i read the cards but i tell people not to put so much stock into the card yeah. <laughs> like i want them to put stock into their belief system but again it's a great way to communicate what's going on right in your life so yeah this was validation for you like this is going on this is validation for you that you made this decision to leave that all in 2021 your past mm -hmm. and it came up and if you didn't come to me you probably would have got that validation from the universe and i believe that i really believe there's synchronicities um and signs in the universe are showing you're on the right path um and i ask for it all the time I, and like paul levy who um who's written this book the quantum revelation uh he he talks about like you are in a dreamlike state and you put clues in your dream to pat guide you to the right path 
So I just showed up in your dream, really. You you dreamed me up. And I came to validate your creation in your dream. Like, yeah, yeah, you're on the right path. Like you're creating there your you, dream. There you go. Yeah, so the, yeah. the final, the final two. So you did more cards than this, but like we won't get into the relationship stuff and, and love <laughs> yeah, and no all problem. that. My listeners don't want to hear that. But uh the the one we'll we'll talk about is you flipped a card and it was a boat and the card came right. upside down. So it was an upside down boat, which so, doesn't right. float so well. And then um the next <laughs> card exactly. was was a little mouse and it's known as the robber mouse. So the mouse yeah, comes and it yeah. and it robs whatever the card before it is. So it's yeah. essentially it meant the thwarting of plans to travel. And what's crazy is no I I you know I'm in Canada. It gets cold. Yeah. yeah it gets cold. Oh, sorry. So you talk and then it'll bring no no go ahead. Go ahead. No no and then it'll show your card. So right now they're looking at me on screen. I'll change uh sorry change. yes these were okay the there we go you now you're on about. screen. So there's okay, my boat that's upside down. And then there's a little mouse that's coming to take away my, my transportation. Right. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm here in Canada. It gets freezing in the winters. I don't do well with cold. So every winter I go to Mexico, um, for three weeks, six weeks, two months, whatever. Uh, I didn't go last year, uh, because of the pandemic and the uncertainty. And then I was considering, going this year. And then suddenly, you know, three days ago, everything gets worse. Like the numbers are worse than they've ever been here in Ontario. We're in lockdown for three weeks. You can't even eat in a restaurant. Gyms are closed. Concerts are shut down and it's just not a good time to travel. So I was, I had just kind of decided like, okay, we're going to wait this out again, another year. And then a card comes being like, yeah, no, traveling's not happening anytime soon for you. <laughs> So that was kind of kind of crazy as well. My yeah, poor boat I, got flipped upside down. Upside down, and you know, sometimes when I get cards like this, even for people, I'm like, try to create enough, make it happen. I'm like, so what? You got these cards. I'm like, how about we try for this energy to go away? <laughs> so I'll be like, let's try using your manifestation skills and your imagination and the belief that you are going to travel because. You know, yes, sometimes this will aff confirm or affirm what's happening this year again, but I, I still believe in the power of belief and change, right? Like, I'm like, no. So something like this for me would bother me because I love travel. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like if I went to my, and I got these cards for myself, I'm like, I'm going to make myself travel. And it might not be as, grandio as grandiose as the travel plans I had. It could be like, okay, well, you're going to a cottage. Like, but I still a travel plan in myself if I didn't if I didn't like the reading which I always tell my clients did you if you didn't like the reading create what you want so that's why I'm like some sometimes you can't just be like well there's my travel plans it might not be exactly what you wanted hmm. but still if that is important to you to do for your own sanity like a lot of people need to get away um from the energy of work of all this and you know I had a friend whose travel plans got thwarted with this she couldn't go to Cuba and she went to a nice beautiful cottage and the energy was still there of travel right so it may be saying no what you planned won't look exactly how you wanted but the energy of what you want and need is come it can still come hmm. so, so if it is that so earlier you mentioned that uh, I have a hypnotherapy mm -hmm. session that's right. coming up um 
So can you, can you explain to our listeners what hypnotherapy is, uh, if you can maybe share what I might expect. And the last thing I would sure. say is my experience with hypnotherapy is as a, as a musician, um, I used to play at uh, a big, a big, um, fair in Ottawa every year called the X. Now they have the X in Toronto as well, but I'm used to the one right, in right. Ottawa. And so I would be there performing, um, every day or every few days. And there was a main stage where they had this famous hypnotist and it's your typical Uh show where there's, you know, all these chairs, people sitting down, hypnotizes them and then gets them to do crazy stuff. And you think, oh, they're all like a part of it, you know? And until I had a bunch of my friends go up and they start doing ridiculous stuff. And I know that's not their temperament. Like they would never just do that stuff. They're more reserved. So that's, me knowing that guy and seeing that show and seeing my friends being hypnotized, I know that it's a real thing. So I believe in it. Um, but what, what, how does hypnotherapy work and what should I expect in, in the next session? Okay. So that, that's like entertainment hypnotherapy, like I would, it'd be a hypnotist, right. Yeah. An entertainer, um, which shows you the power of suggestibility, right? So what you do, what a hypnotherapy, um, what I do, and when I go to my hypnotherapist, um, I get into um, a meditative state, I call it, really. And in that, it's, um, it's and it, for me, it's a directed, um, it's a purpose. It's like a purposeful meditation where you have, um, a, sometimes in meditation, you just, you just say, oh, I just want to, you know, tap in to conscious state or just nothing. I want nothing, right? Where this is, has a purpose to change a behavior. So it's what you want out of it. The intent, you and your therapist are going to decide what you want. Like, cause you could be like the intent is to go in a regression. So it really it's the intent that you are going to have out of it. So you're going to go into this state. And um, so you, you might go to a regress to a childhood um, I don't know what your therapist is planning to do for you. Maybe it's a goal, um, more discovery of yourself. So you have, you're going with intention and improvement, really. So improvement of um, the, your thoughts, um, the way you perceive things. So really, so for example, for my clients, if it was smoking, quitting smoking, like I would give suggestions and for them, um, to dis, first of all, to dislike even the smell and the taste and everything of smoke. So put that suggestion in, like it's not healthy. Um, I, I don't like it. Uh, I only, you know, I, I'm going to cut down. Sometimes you put the suggestion, you work with, oh, I only have one cigarette and even, you know, this, or some people right away quit or they create a new habit um, right away. So like weight loss, you know, you could say, I only, I listen to my body. I only eat very few calories or very little, whatever it is, right. That you want to, to have, or I only eat healthy with healthy and in line with me, um, whatever works for you and your therapist. So I, what I would suggest is you stay open-minded because some people, they, they go and say, I'm not, I can't be hypnotized. Like I can't be hypnotized. And guess what? They won't, they're right. not going open-minded. They you won't have to get be open, hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to say, I really want this. I, I want to work with this and I want to change this because your intent is what drives it. And it, and it's really between you and your therapist of what you're working on, but it is meditation with a purpose. That's what I call it. Really meditation with a purpose to change behavior. Cause when you give a suggestion, you have to continue it though. So you'll do what I give a self hypnosis every day. So 
before going to bed, someone might have a cue card and they'll say their suggestion, you know, um, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. Like that's, that's a really popular one every day in every way I'm getting better and better. And you're falling asleep and then you drop the cue card or it's in your head, whatever the suggestion is. And that's again, getting in that meditative state, giving it's like self-hypnosis and then your the behaviors subconsciously change. Um, and it could be very direct in terms of the, the program, I call it the programming, right? Like the condition, the behavior, very specific, it can be, and it can be general. It can just be like, I feel better. I just, you know, or anything. And there's self-hypnosis. I think there's an app called Reverie where you got self-hypnosis app and you can just, before you go to bed, I do tell people you can do it on your own. You really can. It's, it's a great that you can. If you need some guidance, great to come to somebody. But then you can do it on your own every night. With And what you said, you know, target that one area. I, I like that. Target that one area. Stay focused on that area. So if it is that you have an intent and purpose of why you're going for hypnotherapy, stay in that. Do that every night. Like listen to your hypnotherapist in terms of how you work together to get that. And they, they usually let you go and... I mean, everyone's different, so I don't know what your hypnotherapist will say, but yeah, so I that's, know that's the intent yeah. is, um, yeah. for me, the intent is to focus on, um, my, my purpose. So my purpose, mm -hmm. my passion, my mission, all those things. Yeah. Um, for me, when I have, when I have a, a vision of the future, when I have a goal, so back in the day, it was like, I want to be a goalie in the NHL. And it's like, I would work as hard as needed for that. And then the dream becomes music and I would work every waking hour. So hard work is not a problem for me, but there has to be something worth the sacrifice. And I've been struggling the last few years. That's a part of the depression as well is where, you know, you don't have a clear vision of the future that's worth going through the suffering that you go through uh, day to day. So I'm trying to figure out what is my purpose um, because now I have time, I have money. It's like, what do I use this stuff for? And, you know, this podcast has been a huge source of, of happiness and, and purpose. And it feels like it's guiding me in the right direction. And, you know, recently having finger 11 on and, and I'm other mm. Earth, two of my favorite bands growing up, I waited in line for autographs from these guys. And it feels like what? everything's falling in place. So that's why I'm going is to have clarity. I know that I'm a creative being and I, I should be writing music and releasing music. I should be writing books and releasing them. I should be interviewing amazing people and, and building something here. And um, so that's, that's the, the purpose of this session. So I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know what to expect, but that's the intent is to try to dig deep into um, what the future, you know, what would be worth sacrificing for that would get me out of bed excited in the morning. Excellent. And I think that looks different for everybody, right? Oh, just canceled on me. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, dear. Yeah, no. Can you hear me? I can. Um, okay, we're good. Okay. So what I think that looks different for everybody. Um, you know, I, I had like a lot of the times I question like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And for a lot of people it's it looks grandiose it has to be like super impactful and like it you know I have to do this this and, and sometimes it's just on some days it's just showing up waking up and 
controlling my energy in the sense of being in a high vibration. That's it for today. I just have to show up in love. I don't have any other greater purpose and let the universe kind of decide what it's going to plan for me today. I, I was the belief before that I needed, you know, success has to look a certain way and I have to, I don't know, be successful in a certain way. And, it, and now it's just like, my purpose is sometimes so minuscule. Like it's, it, it feels minuscule, but it's big controlling that vibration that I come in and show up in the world in. And that's it. Just being happy, being there for my kids, like being present. That is like a hard thing for so many people. That's the present. Like your present, your presence in the present moment is so valuable. Like we always think of like, what should I be doing? What happened in the past to me? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, right now I'm here in front of Joelle and we're having this amazing conversation. And like, that's it. That was my purpose today, <laughs> right now, in this moment, hearing, speaking, interchanging energies. That's it. And every day it's nothing more than like, just show up, show up in the world, show up in the energy that I want. And sometimes not, sometimes it won't be the energy I want because I'm feeling all these energies a little up, but trying to just be, be, I'm just going to show up and be right. Um, yeah, I had, yeah. Cause that saddest time in my life was when it looked like I was the most successful. It's interesting. Cause I hear people say that like, and I mean, success for me, isn't like, I, I have so many followers and blah, blah, blah. success for me was like, I have a well-paying job. You know, I have the like 2.5 kids or whatever that is like, um, but I was so unhappy and not because it, wasn't in gratitude. Don't get me wrong. I was in such gratitude, but I just, I wasn't present. I was just going through the motions. Like it was like, get it, get the business done, get it done, get it done, get the kids bathed, get the food on the table, get like, you know, clean the house. And I just wasn't in each moment. And I think that to me is so purposeful being in every moment, being present. It's hard. Listen, my addictions are this, stupid scrolling on social media like that's one of my things that I'm like oh my god it's like an instant hit like it's like and now I have to really work on limiting those times and um yeah and like I would use food a lot as medication like I was more of the food person like yeah, I'm happy eat I'm sad eat and it's cultural like Greek Mexican food is huge you know and I remember all through my 20s like we were just drinking a lot every weekend partying like, how, I don't know how I went to school and work part-time and all that, but like, that was like the rites of passage for our, in our culture and our generation. I'm like, how the heck did I drink that much um, and survive? But I wouldn't. So now it's, it's just about being in every moment, trying to be present in every moment and creating the passion in myself. Like nothing external to me is going to drive me. It's me. I don't know if I'm, yeah, saying that's, that, right? That's, that's good advice. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't even. It's hard. It's hard to be present, and that's the greatest gift you can give another person is is being present with them and uh, yeah, making sure they felt seen and heard and understood. And exactly this is what I want to show my clients that I'm there. I'm there. I'm present for them, and they're present, and to teach them to be present to for themselves, because happiness, everything you're looking for, anything you're looking for in life is not external to you. It's always been in you. Isn't that like Dorothy, the Wizard of Oz? It's always been in you, Dorothy. I know, I'm paraphrasing again. So I don't know the exact line. 
Yeah. So we've, we've been going for over two hours now. Time, oh, okay, time, let's, yeah. time flies. I have one final question for you. Okay. If, if, if you could go back in time and you could sit down with your 10 year old self. So there's two chairs, there's cute little 10 year old Mariana and there's you. If you could whisper advice to 10 year old Mariana, what advice would you give her? I would say just love, just love. Be in love, be in love, feel love, be in love with yourself. Just feel it. Feel the love in every moment. That's mm. it. <laughs> That's good advice. So we've, we've covered a ton of stuff over the last two hours. Is there anything that we missed or anything that you'd want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Oh, gosh. Gosh, that's a... <laughs> That's actually like you a, want to do another two hours. Is uh, that what's going on? No. Yeah, I think there's, the two hours so covered it. I'm share, sure I yeah. missed a lot. Um, yeah, I I think I think what I had to say was there. Um, yeah, perfect. Just be present. I think that's that's what kind of we came out of that. <laughs> like that's a present. good that's a good motto for us to live by. At least yeah, I think so. Be. And like yeah, and if anybody feels like I could help them on their journey. Um, and being present and, and giving them some hope. I'd so where, where can our listeners, um, yeah. where can they find you if they want to reach out, uh, whether just to give, give a little bit of feedback from, um, from having listened. Oh, we got a, we got a loving animal in the house. I yeah, That's all good. No worries. So if someone wants to reach out just yeah. to send you a message or if they want to get their own tarot reading or any of that stuff, um, where can they find you? Should they go to your Instagram? Is yeah, there a Facebook? Is there an email? What's the best way? Um, definitely at Mary magnets, um, at, M-A-R-I Magnets, M-A-G-N-E-T-S. Um, that's my Instagram. Um, and the website is marymagnets.com. And my phone number is there to message me if they needed to make an appointment. I'm definitely going to redo my website. I evolve as I'm evolving. I realize yeah, that's that's what, more than neurobiomagnetism. Yeah, that's, that's all about neurobiomagnetism. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to make it more relevant to what I'm doing currently. So, but definitely um the Instagram would be the best way to reach me yeah perfect all right well okay. mariana thank you so much for your time we we did a deep dive for two hours i learned a lot i took a lot of notes um so thank you so much i appreciate it and and the readings from last year and this year um they were a big part of of my healing and my journey and uh oh i almost forgot i got one more quote for you i can't forget i got a quote from uh, Jessica Desaire-Boissonneau was another one of my friends that you did a reading for. So she's uh, French from Montreal. She's a flight attendant. Um, she's pregnant right now. So it's an exciting time. And um, she said, Mariana was amazing. She was on point with what I was going through at the moment. Very valuable. I would totally recommend her. So that's Jessica Desaire-Boissonneau. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm happy that I could just be a little part of your journey in life. Thank you. Thank you. And let's be present. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Thanks. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we we have an interview with the Mud Men coming up. So rock bagpipe heroes from Canada. Uh, that'll be good. So uh, stay tuned for that. And we'll talk soon. Take care, everyone. See ya. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and I'd love to hear from you guys. My goal is to grow this podcast organically, where you're giving me feedback on topics you'd like me to cover and guests you'd like me to interview. 
You can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Joel Martin Mastery. Joel is J-O-E-L. And on Twitter at Joel Mastery. So I am done. I am complete. I approve this message. And I'll see you on the next episode.